Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Bloke and the Bird Show. I know you're just as surprised that we are that we did a show more than one week in a row. It was touch and go there about an hour ago. Well, that that's because I had to remind you of what day it was. Well, yeah. What really was surprising is that the boy didn't go through the house going, guess what day it is. Well, that's because that's stupid. <laughs> well, that's because it's Sunday, not Wednesday. Ah. Uh. Is that the difference? And it's because it's stupid. I know I get great enjoyment out of it when it's garbage day, but then again. So, yes. Garbage day is not home day. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. True. (laughs) True. But, yes, I had to be reminded what day it was, and I was told I had to pick up my toys and put them away before I could come down and podcast. Yes. So I'm done. I've done that. Okay. So you're ready to podcast. I am. I'm in my podcasting chair, and I'm in my podcasting mode. Do you have your special, like, podcasting underpants on? I need to check. <laughs> we should probably leave my underpants out of this podcast. Yeah, probably. A little bit too much there. <laughs> the line. It is behind you. Um, I have an update. You have an update. I have an update. Okay. And it's not that we had a podcast this week that was unexpected. That was a little surprising. Yes. No, I checked in with our Fantasy GP League. Okay. Oh, shoot. We actually have those. <laughs> I, sh- I I need to remember to put in those pr- um, predictions more often. Yeah. Yeah, you do. So, as we have not hit the mid-year point yet, and thus, as of yet, Phil has not overtaken me for first place, but he always seems to do it by the end of the year. So, much like Hamilton, I expect him to, to rise. Suddenly pull ahead. Yes, suddenly pull ahead. <clears throat> I will make some fatal error and uh, get it get things horribly wrong i will say the last week's prediction the last race's predictions i had two two right that was it that was how bad my predictions were for uh silverstone but when there's a big incident it throws things completely out of whack and i don't predict big incidents well but anyway um so phil is about 111 points behind me right now. Oh, it's a big gap. Yeah, but he's been closing it pretty regularly. Mm. Um, however, you and the boy are sitting in third and fourth, and weekly y'all are trading places. Which is pretty impressive since this week we didn't have a race. I know. <laughs> it's a little odd that you suddenly changed places. It's also pretty impressive considering the fact that I've been forgetting to put in my own um, predictions. That's really sad because there is exactly one point that separates you two. It is obviously a fight for the best of the rest. And it, neither one of us are in last. No. No. We have uh, a a team called Latin Formula that is managed by David. Yeah, and last year when he popped into the league, he shot up to the front and stayed there. But fell one in the end. Yeah. But yeah, he only has 50 points. So he's like, really? I I think he forgot. Okay. 
Um, and then there is Jim with 878 points. Now, I will say this. Jim had an excuse. He missed a whole race because he was at the Indianapolis 500 and forgot to put his predictions in. Yeah, he did that. Possibly more than one week in a row. Anyway, um, so that's where our standings are. But I think that we're really watching that third, fourth place uh, race because there's one point between you two. So accuracy is critical. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Should I just like spy on dad while he's making his predictions? Oh, by the way, you are one point down. So you're the one that has to to uh, catch up. Do better. And uh, you can't just copy his predictions because if you do, he'll stay one point ahead of you. Yeah, I figured that part, but I was going to go with different predictions. So good luck to both of you in the race for the best of the rest. Anyway. I'm winning. Hey, did we mention in the last show the package that came? The unexpected package that came. I believe you did. Okay, then I won't worry about it. I don't remember. You don't remember that Dad announced that he won a package from Aston Martin and got a care package because it was something that he was not expecting to be delivered? And then tell Oh, yeah, that happened. Tell them about the really awesome marketing guy that followed up what? six days after the package was delivered giving new information well i would have mentioned it except like i didn't respond to him well yeah and why didn't you respond to him um because after six days and he only just noticed that they sent it out and was like oh let us know and we'll like your post six days after i made it so i was like yeah okay too late dude um did he use his name in the email address? No, that it, it was like customer account or something weird like that. It came from like the weirdest like no name account. Yeah. It was obviously an intern. <clears throat> well, you know, I was going to say that uh, Otmar needs to find a, a, a better marketing person. Well, I'll tell him the next time I talk to him on the phone. Okay. I mean, he did. I thought you were supposed to have lunch with him. He keeps canceling. He does. Mm. He does. I have been working on having lunch with Ross Braun a lot harder than I was on Otmar. Okay, that's fair. Um, But we did. I mean, the letter that came with your lookbook from Aston Martin (laughs) did have Otmar's name uh, signature on it, and it says "with compliments." I expected it to say nice things about me, but it does not. I was just kind of surprised that it was Otmar, but not Lawrence. Uh, Obviously, Lawrence knows what I think of him. Uh, he no. knows what he did. <laughs> yeah, but it was either Lance signed it first. It's Lance, Seb, and Otmar. Yeah. Well, clearly Lawrence was too busy trying to buy the um, entire sport of Formula One so that Lance can win the world championship eight times. Like I said, Lawrence knows what he did. Does he still owe you money from when you played poker? He knows what he did. Clip much? (laughs) All right. How big of a bluff was this? Anyway. Anyway, so um, it is confirmed 
that Monza will host the next sprint race weekend. Most confusing weekend ever. 18 lap sprint race. Because 17 was more fun. I think it's about the distance more than anything else. I think. Um, But they will have a one hour practice session at 2.30 local time before qualifying takes place between 6 and 7 p.m. on Friday. Um, Despite criticism over the decision to run a second practice, since Park Ferme had already been locked in, Free Practice 2 will run from noon to 1 o'clock on Saturday. Okay. And that's what happened last year, too. It's just kind of dumb because it's not like they can do anything. Right. Um, The sprint race covering 18 laps of the 5.793 kilometer circuit starts at 4.30 and should be finished by 5. And Sunday's 53 lap race will begin at 3 o'clock local time. Okay. So that's the plan. Um, It does not sound like... Um, Interlagos is going to host the final sprint race of the season. Not surprising because I'm still betting that Interlagos is not going to host a race this season. It should be very interesting to see what's happening because I think there's some still power players in Brazil that are in abject denial that COVID's a thing. They could, but that doesn't mean that that Formula One's going to show up. That's the thing. So I I think it's increasingly unlikely that there will be a race in Brazil again this year. The question is, can Turkey host? Who, who would host as a replacement? That late in the year, you're not going to Germany. Sure. So we'll see what happens with that. Okay. By the way, mm-hmm. speaking of late in the year races, we got an email from Formula One because they're opening up tickets to fans and Races are. Did you buy us tickets? Well, I looked to see if I could get us tickets to Austin. Mm -hmm. You can only buy a general admission ticket for Friday. That is the only thing that is not sold out for Austin right now. Wow. Yeah. And by the way, that's 50 euros. Did you look at Paddock Club? Not available. Wow. Okay. Sold out. Okay. Disappointing. Could not get a grandstand seat. Couldn't get nada. Very disappointing. So you're going to have to start working your back channel friends and see if you can get one of those personal invites. I'll, I'll do what I can. Maybe I can also check um, use um, check the dark web on the black market, see if anyone's selling that. I doubt that would be a, a safe thing to be doing. Oh. That would be a very poor decision. Oh. Anyway, besides the fact that it's illegal. Oh. Anyway. So, do you recall the radio message that we heard during the British Grand Prix? Total Wolf reaching out to Michael Massey and going, Hey, I just sent you an email. Did you look at it? And Michael going, yeah, I don't check my emails during the race because I'm paying attention to the race. Remember that whole exchange? I do. I, I, I thought it was very uh, odd that Toto was unaware that how email worked. Well, there, there's that. But the other piece of it was 
Michael then said to Toto, you know, if, if you've got concerns, if there's issues you want to raise, I recommend you go talk to the stewards. Do you remember that? Yes. And he said pretty much the same thing to Christian Horner. Right. And both of them went up to the stewards and had conversations. Toto so, took a piece of paper. Yeah. There was a lot of talk about Toto and his piece of paper. Yeah. Possibly the printed email that he was sending to Michael Massey. So initially, after the race, Michael Massey said, if we have an incident after the race, we invite the teams and the drivers to come up and appear before the stewards. We had the case in Monza last year when Lewis went and spoke to the stewards to understand what happened and have a look at the whole picture. During the suspension, that ability exists, so there's no reason not to. However... After saying this, after inviting the teams to go up and talk to the stewards about their issues during the race, Michael Massey has now said that teams uh, could be found in breach of Article 12.2.1i of the FIA's International Sporting Code that deems an offense will be deemed to have taken place if a competitor has failed to follow the instructions of relevant relevant officials for the safety and safe and orderly conduct of the event. Okay, but is the difference is the difference that Lewis went up to the stewards during a red flagged portion of the race. Toto and Horner went up there during the red flag period. It's not like the race was going on. Right. But it's more this idea that Red flag or not, his advice to the teams and his comments afterward were, yeah, I guess it's okay. They should go and do that. It's not a problem. And now it's, the, well, if you go up there, you could be in violation of the regulations. <sighs> Which is it here, man? Yes. This, is, this is where I'm starting to lose respect for Michael Mossy. That's the problem. That's the problem because, and spoilers, I know what else you're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um Actually, why don't you just go on to that story because then I'll make my universal comment. Yeah, and actually I should also add that in the note he said that access to the stewards for anyone other than the necessary FIA officials would only be allowed with prior approval or as a result of the summons. That's the key piece, and I should have put that in there. But that's the whole thing. He turned around and he said, go up and now it's the, well, you have to get approval, otherwise you don't belong up there. So, you know, can Toto get... Apply for provisionary appro- approval. I, I I wish to have reserve the right to be able to go talk to the stewards during the race. That that's this game that he's playing now. I don't I don't like that, and I think it's extremely telling when you talk the next piece. So Michael Massey said that well, yeah, the FIA is being tougher on first lap incidents this year, and as he says. They have had the drivers tuck their elbows in this year. So his comments was that there is a clear point that the first lap is obviously treated in a much lighter way under the let them race principles than the rest of the race. No doubt about that. And letting drivers find their own balance. But the drivers have clearly said, as have the teams from the end of last year, that they felt with the elbows were out a bit too far last year. And they needed to be tucked back in a little bit. And what I don't understand here, you know, at first glance, 
that sounds kind of reasonable. Mm -hmm. Except for the fact that, one, I we never heard any comments to that nature at all at the end of last year. Mm -mm. Um, at the very least, we know Gunther Steiner was asked about these comments and said that he didn't know anything about it. <laughs> Now, we haven't heard from any of the other team principals, but that becomes my question. We haven't heard these comments in the press. We haven't heard from the other team principals saying, yeah, this is a really good idea. As a matter of fact, what we've heard from a lot of the team principals is that the incidents that are triggering these penalties lately, they would consider to be racing incidents. Yep. That doesn't say to me that they thought that the driver should be pulling in their elbows a little bit. Okay, so here's my issue. <clears throat> it is obvious that Michael Massey is trying to make a name for himself in his in his role, and he is trying to crack down on all sorts of of things. And the problem is, he obviously did. I mean, we talked about it last time. Did not learn the lesson that Charlie Whiting had to learn, which is you got to let them race. They've got to be able to race and yes they shouldn't be able to design a track of their own making and ignore track limits but when they're racing hard just short of something egregious where they go tap each other on purpose their goal is not to take each other out that's not it, the goal it, it, it's not i, I think where i, I kind of wonder if what's happening here is that michael has mistaken the push from the fans and from the media and from the teams to crack down on track limits as a wider requ request for, for cracking down on on-track behavior. Right. And I think you're right there. Um, now, I would mention this to him in, in a, my routine phone calls that I make to the team principals and, and but such. But since he's not a team principal, he doesn't get that call. Well, he doesn't get that call because he also... I'll tell him um, during my time with him at lunch tomorrow. Oh, good. Because he won't give me his phone number. I wonder why. Okay, it was stalking one time. Yeah. So, already we've heard from... Now, admittedly, George was talking about his penalty, which we questioned as well. Mm -hmm. um, but George is already saying that, you know, this is not going to have the impact he thinks it, it will. Um, he says... I'm concerned that the impact it's going to have is the the drivers are going to stop racing flat out. And that well, pisses I don't think they, fans off. I don't think that they will necessarily stop racing flat out. I think that they won't push as hard. They won't challenge other drivers as much. You know, they'll push as hard to get the speed and, and, and those bits. It's not going to slow them down. But they may, that calculation as to whether or not they want to get into that battle is going to be different. And that's going to tick fans off because exactly. that's not what fans want. It's going to tick drivers off too. Right. So... What George had to say when he was asked about, and it was more around his, his feeling with the penalties and what's going on in his penalty. He said, you know, that's what we were arguing. 
Rubbin's racing, as they say. I think it's always good for the fans and even for the drivers to have close, hard racing. So I think when there's so many penalties being dished out, it does change the views of the drivers slightly, how you approach it. And nobody wants to sit there and everybody be cautious because it won't be entertaining for anyone. So when asked specifically about his penalty, he said, you know, I thought it was a little bit harsh. It was one of those first lap incidents, really. Lots going on. You know, I had a small lockup. There was nothing malicious. Wasn't trying to squeeze him or anything. And I think if there was any other corner, he'd just have carried on potentially even in front of me. So we're told that the consequence, consequences of an action is never taken into consideration. But it felt like in this instance it was. But I respect the decision. At the end of the day, they're the rule makers, so we've got to stand by their, their views. So when he was asked if the stewards are generally being tougher this year, he said, well, it's only in the last two events where penalties really ramped off. None of us want to see penalties dished out week in, week out. So yeah, we need to understand their views on this. It's always fine margins between whether it's a penalty or not. And maybe it's just a coincidence of these last two races that there's been more than normal. And yeah, he has to respect the decisions. Mm -hmm. We don't. We don't. And we don't. And, And we don't. And I think that it's... If this is the the tra- the trajectory that we're going to go down for a while, it's going to come back and bite them. And it came back and bit them the last time they went down this trajectory. Mm-hmm. The fans get mad. Everybody's like, let them race, let them race. And the pendulum has to start swinging in the other direction. Unfortunately, this is something that I think Michael's going to have to learn on his own. He's not... And, and, and I have a feeling it's... From what we're seeing, because he's been around Formula One for a while. It's not like he was brand new. Yeah. I I think it's going to be Formula One and the FIA going, dude, Mm -hmm. we need to rethink this approach because this isn't working. Yeah. So, you know, we mentioned last week that there were some pretty vehement comments and, and pretty heated comments around the Verstappen Hamilton crowd. What we've seen over the last week, it has not spun down. You know, we mentioned when we recorded last week that there were um, some, a lot of racist comments that were aimed at Lewis in response. And the one thing that I will say, and and I was very impressed with it. Yeah, Mercedes came out pretty quick, and they condemned it. Lewis Hamilton came out pretty quick, and he condemned it. Formula One came out pretty quick. Actually, I think it was the FIA that came out first and condemned it. But one of the first groups to condemn those comments was Red Bull. Well, good for that. And it was the, you know, we're rivals. We're we're competitors. we're, we're, We're fighting hard with each other. But that is not acceptable under any circumstances, and we do not condone it. And the fairly quick condemnation of that behavior from drivers, from the GDPA, from various teams, and it wasn't just Red Bull and Mercedes who stood up and said, yeah, uh, no. 
um, quite a few other teams stood up and unified statements from Formula One and from others saying, this is too far. Yeah. Um, very happy to, to, to see that level of response. There was no, well, some of them are good people. And <laughs> we didn't play that game. I'm very happy to see that. I made sure to text um, Christian Horner them that he was doing a good job by saying that. Good. We need to support good behavior. However. <laughs> All of that positiveness with a giant butt at the end of it. Yeah. Um, that doesn't mean that Red Bull hasn't been fanning some flames around this. Mm. And... Um, Total Wolf is obviously a bit upset. Um, doesn't appreciate the the comments about the unsportsmanlike behavior. Um, Helmet Marco accusing Lewis Hamilton of reckless driving and saying Mercedes had shown its style by celebrating victory while Max was undergoing checks in the hospital. And, I mean, it, it, they just kept ramping up. And Total Wolf said, I think you can understand from a competitor's point of view the situation was upsetting. I can understand that. Nevertheless, the language that was used, making it so personal, was a level that we have not seen in this sport before. Um, he said, I understand the bias on the crash itself and the emotions of a father. We're talking about Josh Verstappen's own comments. Um, he said, I would probably be the same, but I would use different language. Um, and Peter Hain, who is... Um, uh, Labour Party chairman uh, for the UK government actually blames Christian Horner for some of the attacks that Lewis faced. Oh, wow. What he said was that racists have an excuse to let fly their vitriol and evil at Lewis after what I thought was a very ill-judged, intemperate, and plain wrong attack on him by Christian Horner. I am not suggesting that Christian was implying anything racist in what he said. He was talking in pure racing terms and not racist terms, and that is obvious. I hope it was something said in the heat of the moment when Christian was feeling aggrieved. But these moments when leadership is required and not intemperate outbursts. Wow. Here's the thing. I, I don't understand this continued, you know, argumentativeness of it. Max is okay. There was a celebration, you know, whatever. At the end of the day, every pundit is trying to turn this into the next pro Senna or, you know. And, and I don't necessarily think we're there yet between the drivers, mm -mm. but the bitterness between the teams is, and, and honestly, they don't need the, the, the pundits to do it. Right. Because if you listen to what I've got, what the, the quote from Christian Horner here, you don't need the pundits to turn it into anything. Okay, what does he have to say? So in his post-race column on the Red Bull site that was published this past Friday, he said, I am still disappointed about the level of celebrations enjoyed in the wake of the accident. The Mercedes team were aware of the gravity of the crash with Max widely reported as be having been hospitalized and requiring further checks. It is unimaginable not to inform your driver of the situation. Moreover, to protect your driver in case they do not show the necessary 
restraint and celebrating, particularly when it was as a result of an incident he was penalized for. I would like to respond to some comments I've seen from Toto, who was quoted as saying our comments regarding Hamilton having caused the accident were so personal. I felt the narrative that Max was being overly aggressive at that stage was unjustified. I would like to make it clear this was an on-track incident between two of the best drivers in the world. At the point in time when you have a driver in hospital and the extent of any injuries have not yet been made clear, your car has been written off and the stewards have penalized the driver seen to be responsible, it is natural that emotion comes into play for all involved whether you feel wronged or victorious. I also felt the narrative that Max was being overly aggressive at that stage was unjustified. You only have to look at the fact that Max has zero penalty points on his license and has not been found guilty of any on-track misjudgments in recent years. The aggressive 17-year-old F1 rookie Max Verstappen that Hamilton is referring to is not the Max Verstappen of today, just as Hamilton is not the same driver he was when he entered the sport. Both drivers are, of course, uncompromising in their driving style, but they are both highly skilled drivers with a great deal of experience. The reality is that Hamilton has met his match in a car that is now competitive, and I agree that both drivers need to show each other respect, but Hamilton was the aggressor on Sunday. You don't need the pundits to try and turn this into a, a rivalry. No, it's, it's not that, already there. It's not that it's turning into a rivalry. Yes, it's a rivalry. There's no doubt about it. It's the, is it, they are so anxious and so hungry for another Hunt Lauda, another Senna Prost, another one of those legendary rivalries. Ones that we quote years later that we talk about. That's what they want this to be so badly. They, they want that. And they're grasping at whatever it can be it, because they're finally got, they finally got an on-track battle. But is it yet? And that's the question I really have. And right now you it's just... You won't know until after the season's over. I mean... And right now it's the team principals arguing with each other, you know, Quite frankly, you're not seeing Lewis and, and Max taking snipes at each other like you saw. Well, that's not really true either. It's it's not been as public, but it's happening. I mean, there, there's been the question for the last couple of weeks of whether or not Lewis is playing mind games with Max. Oh, he's playing and mind games. Lewis, <laughs> some of the, I mean, and, and honestly, it I think it's more Lewis sniping than Max right now. Max, Max uncharacteristically for Max is focused more on Max than anything else. Mm -hmm. Lewis is trying, Lewis is playing the mind games like he's done in the past with other close competitors. It's just, it's interesting to watch, but yeah, I'm watching a lot of the writers and the pundits like circling. They're, they're, they're going to circle anyway, though. I mean, they, they, they want to be the first one that year. declares this is the big, the big rivalry, the yeah. old guard versus the new guard. Whoopie do. Yeah, they they just I mean, want it to be that thing, and I just don't think it's that thing yet. Anyway, back to the stories that we're talking about. 
So Toto wants to make it clear that they had feedback from senior management of Red Bull that Max was fine. He said Christian mentioned it to Michael Massey on the intercom that he's unharmed and fine. And the FIA gave us similar feedback. So at no point would we have celebrated if Max had been injured. And I think that's very important to understand. And, I, and that is very key to understand that the celebration would have been impacted if word had come down to them. And yes, there was reports that Max was taken to the hospital for further checks. No word was passed back that he was in any kind of life-threatening or condition or any kind of serious injuries. Right. Well, okay, but who won that, um, the race where Groshan got burnt? I believe that was Max. Did he not celebrate? Yeah. I mean, Max was in the, not Max, um, Grosjean went to the hospital. Mm-hmm. Grosjean had injuries. Yeah. Grosjean was out for the rest of the season. Max did celebrate that, right? Yeah. Okay. Just double checking. I, I don't yeah. think that was Max. I think that might have been Paris who won the race. No, that was the one the one after. Oh. Max was certainly on the podium if he didn't win. I'm just suggesting that you know, geese and gander should probably follow the same rules. So, the one other thing that we will point out on this, the estimated damages to Max's car is believed to be about $1.8 million, and that comes out of their cost cap. So what they gained from Perez putting it in a wall on, during the sprint race was probably eaten up when Max put it in a wall during the actual yeah. race. Okay. Oh, more, more, more than in, that. More than that. By a lot. So for those, and, and moving on to other stuff, for those who were concerned, what? So just summing up, Silverstone was really expensive for Red Bull. Yes, it was. Okay. Highly expensive. All right. So, for those who were concerned about Mick Schumacher in his seat. And his, the actual seat, not his Formula One seat, but the seat in the car. Yes, the one that he sits in, the, the crooked seat. Mm-hmm. Well, the one that makes him sit crooked. They are working on a fix to have in place for the next race. He should not be sitting crooked in the car anymore. Well, that would be good to hear. I'd really like to know if his mom has had to report any other issues with the car for him. Either her or Sebastian Vettel. Yeah. Because both of them are looking out for him. Well, you know. By the way, speaking of Nick, or of Mick, rather, not Nick. Because Nick's Nick, not a guy. Well, no. Nick Schumacher, he, he owns the, the car dealership in West Palm Beach. Oh, okay. <laughs> Different Schumacher. Ah, okay. Mick Schumacher, however... Um, Gunther Steiner says that he expects new contract for Mick to be signed very soon. Um, they want to keep him for another year. They're happy with him. So very likely that, that we will see Mick Schumacher for next year. He's not talking about Nikita. Well, doesn't that depend on if Daddy buys the team so that Daddy yeah, can buy that. him a seat? I am amused that the headline here says that the Hosh just needs to cross the T's and dot the I's 
Um, there are no T's in Schumacher or I's in Schumacher. Mick. Schumacher. Yeah. Well. I was very specific in way, the way I said that. Thank you. <laughs> so the rumor that's flying around now, it's an interesting rumor. So should Mercedes sign um, George Russell? Mm-hmm. As we know, that means Valtteri is out of a seat. So the rumor is that Valtteri is the leading candidate to go to Alfa Romeo to replace Kimi Räikkönen. That seems so crazy. <laughs> now, we've heard that Valtteri has been the leading candidate to replace Kimi Räikkönen before, you know, when he was going to get bumped from Ferrari. Right. And it didn't happen. So I, I don't know. But that's what... I mean, we, we do know that Valtteri wants to remain in Formula One. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a whole heck of a lot of options open to him. Yes, and certainly not in the top teams. So... I, I guess it's kind of plausible. It, it's a matter of whether or not they're actually going to let Kimmy go. Well... Yeah, but I still think that there's a possibility that Seb will retire this year. I don't think so. Mm. And I don't think... At, at this point... So from everything that I've seen, as much as he he's not battling for wins and he's not battling for podiums or anything, from everything that I've seen, Seb actually likes it over at uh, um, Aston Martin. You almost called it Racing Point, didn't you? Maybe. So that that's my understanding. He's actually enjoying it over there. Um, I think a lot of it is because he's not dealing with the pressure and expectations of Ferrari. I, I think that there was a personality mismatch with him and Ferrari. Well... I'm not sure if it was a personality mismatch or an expectations mismatch. It could have been expectations, but I I don't think that was a a fit. And I know a lot of it was that Seb was hoping that he could walk in there and do the same thing for Ferrari that Michael Schumacher did for Ferrari when he went there. Mm -hmm. And I think... The team is very different from what Michael Schumacher experienced when he walked in, combined with the fact that Seb is not Michael Schumacher in a lot of ways. Well, and there's that. But the trajectory of the team, they're in a different point on that curve than mm-hmm. they were when Michael walked in. And again, like like we you have said, Seb is not Michael. Yeah. Um, I know it's a short show. Do you have anything else? I got nothing else. Well, let's give everybody back some time today. (laughs) Wow, we're giving people back time now. (laughs) This is not a meeting. (laughs) It's not? It's not a crummy Zoom call. Oh, I'm so used to crummy Zoom calls at this point. People listen to the show because they want to, not because they're required to in order to get their weekly paycheck. And I've been sitting here th- wondering how do I change my virtual background? Um, 
you don't know that. I mean, like five of our listeners may be required to listen to get their paychecks. I doubt that. Okay. Two. And on that note, we'll call it a show. We are so glad you came. Bye-bye. 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 Bye-bye now. Bye. Bye-bye. Remember, please discard all candy wrappers and popcorn containers in the nearest trash receptacle. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye now. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Are they all gone? Uh, is, is, there, is everybody gone? <laughs> huh? Good. Oh my gosh, my cheeks are killing me. I can't keep smiling like this anymore. I am exhausted. I think I need a break. A little break? Okay.